Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Thursday, April the 18th. I'm your host, D.A. Baseball takes center stage because yesterday afternoon, in a game that normally nobody would be watching or paying attention to, the White Sox and the Royals got into a dust-up, all because of a bat flip. Tim Anderson to the White Sox smashes a home run takes his bat and throws it violently towards the dugout. This, of course, upsetting the Kansas City team. The Royals and the White Sox come out of the dugouts, and once again, the question is asked, what are we allowed to do in baseball? What are the unwritten celebratory rules? And does a bat flip cause payback still? Here's Bernstein and McKnight on the score in Chicago. Baseball has a very different situation around it because you can hurt somebody afterward you can end things afterward if you want to if you're brad keller you can buzz the tower and granted that's not what he did yesterday to tim anderson he threw at his ass and that's i guess the accepted part of a person to throw at but it's just it's so it's stupid it's just very stupid and i'd say the same thing if a white Sox pitcher threw behind a royal i'd say the same thing if a cub threw behind a cardinal throwing at batters it's just dumb anymore. The the outcomes, the potential downfalls, the the injuries that could occur from all this. Like there's just there's no upside to that. It's as simple as this. Next time Tim Anderson comes up, get him out. That's your retaliation. Get him out. Win the ball game. You did half of that yesterday, the Royals. So why not be celebrating that? Essentially, to me, it is that we're not dealing with with equal forces here at work. No. A bat flip doesn't hurt you. A bat flip just makes you feel bad because you failed as a pitcher. Throwing a baseball at someone, and don't give me the it's only at his butt or it's only at his thigh. Thank God it was. It shouldn't have happened. It is, it is a weapon. And allowing somebody say, well, that's just baseball. It shouldn't be. And just because it has been doesn't mean it should continue to be. It's stupid and dangerous. Well, this is where it gets weird for me, too, because Ned Yost and Ricky Renneria got into it during that discussion. And I, Tim Anderson gets thrown out. Keller gets thrown out. Dale Swain gets thrown out because when Dale Swain gets on the field, he figures I might as well just get thrown out of this thing regardless of what happened. I'm just going to get tossed. And then uh, Renteria got tossed as well. Why Tim Anderson got thrown out, I really have no idea. Maybe he said some words. Maybe he said words that you're not allowed to say. But I not have no to idea. the umpire. Didn't look that way. No, certainly didn't I look that way. I understand magic words when you're arguing and with only, an ump. The only reason I bring up magic words is because we didn't see him do anything. You know, he got, he got hit, and then uh, moments after he got hit, Martin Maldonado is out in front of his face barking at him, just screaming and yelling because he couldn't stand it. 
Because as soon as you put on the Royals powder blue and get behind the plate, you have to be a hard ass or something. So Tim gets tossed. And really, I think what happened here was Tim got tossed because Joe West doesn't like bat flips either. I think you're absolutely bang on with that. And I, I think that's... I think that is an umpire also being baseball police. I think that's what this is. And, and you don't, as an umpire... I don't think you you should be able to control the discipline of a game. You know, who's throwing at home, all that kind of nonsense. You should be able to dictate a flow of a game. If you want to determine who's balking and who's not, all that kind of stuff. You should be an umpire. You should be baseball police. But not about a not about this. Not about the temperament with, with which someone plays the game. That's nonsense. It's a pure nonsense. It's overstepping the bounds of what your job is, in that case, to to somehow reinforce these old baseball tropes just because you're old and baseball's old and thinking it's your job. And, and the texters are like, act like you've hit a home run before. Act however you want. Baseball's got its fair share of problems, but bat flips are not one of them. Again, if you want baseball to capture the imagination of the sports public at large, you've got to let players have some fun and show some emotion because those moments are what the fans want to show emotion around. And when they see the players do it, okay, they feel like it's their green light. But also, pace of play is so much bigger than anything a bat flip could do. If we get balls in play more and more pitches thrown to the plate, now we're really solving something. But bat flips, brushback pitches, give me a break. In the NBA, 16 teams are battling for the Larry O'Brien Trophy, trying to win the NBA Finals title. But 14 others aren't playing, and Anthony Davis is one of those players. He's currently a member of the Pelicans, and everybody assumes in the offseason he will be traded. So what could the Pelicans get back in return? Will he end up being a Celtic, a Laker, or sent somewhere else? Well, maybe none of the above, because new GM David Griffin is keeping the door open on bringing Anthony Davis back. Here's the new GM on WWL Sports Talk in New Orleans. We want everybody here to be all the way in. And I I have some reason to believe that there's an openness to the possibility that he is. And and without any knowledge beyond that, I'm I'm going to, to absolutely make visiting with him a priority and sharing the vision we have of the franchise. And I think there's a level of trust with he and his agent that maybe didn't exist previously, um, which is not at all a shot at the previous regime. It's just they don't they don't have the same level of history together that we have. So I'm I'm optimistic that there's a conversation that can be had there and if everybody feels good about moving forward in, in the the manner in which we need to, then I'm I'm excited about it. David A D said uh, at the end of the, the season that whoever the new general manager is or president of operations, he wants to talk to him. He he expressed a willingness to at least entertain the idea of, of sticking around. What would be your pitch to him as to keeping A D here and also uh, ensuring that hey you guys are gonna build a winner around him? I think really the question is what's what's your goal set as a player? What's your vision for your career and and does that match with what our goal set is? And if we're like-minded about what we're trying to achieve together, uh, then, then it's a natural you stay together. And if you have a goal set that's beyond that, which we, we concern ourselves with, which is only winning and, and building this thing the right way, then, then that's not something we can help you with. So the first question is really, how, how do I help you? You know, where, where do you need to express your greatness and in what ways? And 
hopefully that aligns with our, our philosophies because this isn't something where you can have flexibility or ambigu- ambiguity with. You've, you've got to be very clear about this is how the Pelicans are going to run as an operation, and this is where we see you fitting in it, and hopefully those things match up. Are you optimistic that you realistically could win a championship in New Orleans? Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, it's news to all the small markets that have already won championships that it can't be done. I mean, the San Antonio market's not a, not significantly different than this one. Right. And in national TV ratings, N- New Orleans NBA fans have a greater share of markets than the Spurs do. Um, so from that perspective, I, I think this is a market that wants to be crazy about this basketball team, and, and we can play on that a little bit. We won a championship in Cleveland. It's a smaller market. And it's something I think where it becomes a very lazy person's out to say that you can't win in a small market because there are challenges in winning in a smaller market. And the first one of those, as you know, is we have to be about something. We're going to try to build something that attracts like-minded energy. And if you don't want to go about it the way we're going to go about it, then we're not going to be super sexy, but we're going to be overly substantive and that will eventually recruit itself. may not recruit the biggest names, but it'll recruit the right names. David, have you met with AD yet or no? No, I've spoken to Rich Paul, um, and I have not sat down with AD, and, and we do have a plan in place to sit down uh, face-to-face and, and, and sort of get to know one another and, and what our goals are. Would you mind sharing if there's a timeline on that and when that might occur? Not really. I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. Um, I, I don't really want this to be something that plays out publicly. Um but once we once we have that conversation, um, if the next step is we're we're all going to march together in lockstep, you'll know that. And if the next step is we're not, you'll you'll probably know that too. And I hope the way you know that is we've acted on some other deal, and you never heard anything about it. <laughs> or he comes out and says he can't wait for training camp. If Griffin can somehow save this thing and have AD come back and remain a Pelican. He will have pulled off a miracle because it feels like, for all intents and purposes, AD's already gone emotionally. He's wearing a That's All Folks t-shirt in his final regular season game in New Orleans. He was shut down to the end of the year, we would imagine, so that he did not risk an injury so they could get more from him in return. He wanted to go to the Los Angeles Lakers midway through the year demanding a trade. The whole thing was so screwy, I can't imagine he would ever want to come back. But, boy, if somehow David Griffin pulled that one off, more power to you. The Golden State Warriors are once again the heavy favorites to win the NBA Finals, but we just saw a pretty problematic ending in their Game 2 loss against the Los Angeles Clippers. Against the eight-seeded Clippers, they had a 31-point lead and choked it all away. What happened? Well, Head coach Steve Kerr joined Damon Bruce and Ray Ratto in 95-7 the game in San Francisco. Coach, what happened? I think we just sort of disconnected, you know, mid-third quarter when we got up 31. We just, uh, you know, to that point we had played brilliant defense um, all, all throughout game one and then, you know, for two and a half quarters of game two. And then it looked like a, all of a sudden it was like a preseason game in Bakersfield. Like what happened? We we just stopped playing defense, and it, and you can't do that, you know, in a playoff game against a good team like the Clippers, and so all of a sudden it becomes a shootout, and we had foul trouble, 
you know, our rotations get uh, get altered, and uh, the momentum just swung wildly the other way. Losing focus has has been a theme this year for the Warriors, and it's understandable. It really is in the regular season. This is the postseason, and it's unforgivable then when you lose focus, when all 48 minutes should be played like the score wasn't even being kept. You know, that's what, that's what fans want. That's what you and your coaching staff want. Um, is, is there anything you and your staff can do to, to inject moments of urgency, like just have a whistle, and if you, you sense of losing focus, you start blowing the whistle like it's a, it's a, sh- a shark warning at a beach or something? Well, that's what timeouts are for. So uh, we tried to, uh, you know, tried to inject some uh, uh, some. Some just alertness in the in the timeouts, like hey, this is there's a long way to go, and um, you know. But as I said, in an NBA game, once you lose momentum, it's tough to get it back. And and the Clippers played great, you know. Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams had it going, and and uh, you know we had we had a couple shots late that would have sealed it. We couldn't make, but um, you know I didn't particularly like. Uh, the, the play I drew up out of the timeout late in the game, and and so I, you know I didn't think any of us were really on our games, um, you know that second half, and it's disappointing. But you know it's one one, so there's uh, there's plenty of basketball left. Do you have sort of a statute of limitations on how long you can reference this to the players before you get off it and assume that they've got the lessons learned? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you don't you don't want to keep referencing a game, you know, for for a, a too long because you got you know the next one starts and that that becomes the important one. So the statute of limitations probably runs to uh, tomorrow night at seven thirty. You know, so we'll have a shoot around tomorrow in the morning and we may reference the game then. But after that, you know, you just move on to the next one. He gets ejected in game one. He fouls out of game two. You know, nine turnovers to outpace his shots taken. Is that Kevin's choices, or is that um, is that Patrick Beverly? I think Beverly's done a, a good job on him. Um, but, um, you know, I think Kevin would be the first one to tell you that that was not his best game. I mean, he had a lot of turnovers and fouls. and uh, So, as far as the field goal attempts, um, you know, for, for the – Entire time that he's been here, you know, Kevin, Clay, Steph, all average 17, 18 shots a game. Um, and in a playoff game, um, you know, you, you, you expect your best players to be even more aggressive because they're the ones who are able to get good shots when the defense is not allowing any, any good ones out of your offense. And so... I think we need him to be aggressive, and uh, I think he will be. I think we all know the biggest enemy to the Golden State Warriors are the Warriors themselves. When they just check out emotionally, when they get bored, when they take a nap, when they don't take an opponent seriously, that's when they can actually fall apart. Who could have ever figured an eight seed like the Clippers would be the ones that could do it to them? But this may just wake up the Warriors and make them even more dangerous. There is always hope that the Warriors at the end of this run of five straight years of trying to get to the NBA Finals will finally falter. But I don't think it's going to be in this first round, although maybe this is the first sign that this is not an invulnerable, immortal Warriors team this year.
Football fans rejoiced because it was schedule day yesterday. The NFL released all of its schedules, and those in Houston got the news. They'll be playing in London this year. So the guys on Sports Radio 610 in Houston on Mad Radio discussed why the London game always seems to be bad football. It's always an awful football game. Almost always. It's sloppy. It's dumb. Like, teams look incompetent. They look like they just woke up and rolled out of bed and started to play a football game, which by their body clock, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, I don't, I don't like that Jacksonville has an extreme home field advantage because they go over and do this every single year. So they got the routine down pat. They, they don't really have a home crowd, really. It's more just like fans of football over there than anything else. And, and part of it that it bothers me that it's sloppy football is like, I feel like we're being bad ambassadors for American football. We got all these Europeans packed in there wanting to watch a game and you give them a six to three snoozer. So if there's one thing I could challenge the Texans to do is to go light it up, light that damn country up like you're getting vengeance for the revolution. And, uh, and, well, don't and, light it up because, you know, you can't, you don't want to light up countries with old, uh, monuments because of, uh, uh France this week. Oh, right, 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 yeah. You gotta like, be careful go, about do, that. But make it, you know, that was yeah. the other, now this Sparkle is, yeah, this is the Sparkle idea I had when I was watching the London. I wanted, um, I think one of the group end zone celebrations needs to be Washington crossing the Potomac. Something from the Revolutionary War. Really, really rub it in the Brits faces. So, Deshaun Watson runs in for a touchdown. Have Deshaun Watson stand up in the end zone like he's George Washington, you know, with his chest out, with everybody else rowing down beneath him. Pulls out some wooden dentures. I need them to spend time. I need them to spend at least one OTA practicing that. (laughs) I'd buy that painting. Uh, Real quick, uh, again, if you're just joining us, Mike, Seth, and Paul on a Wednesday, Texans, Jaguars, week nine in London. It's one of those 8.30 a.m. starts at Wembley Stadium. Seth, correct me if I'm wrong about this. From a former player's standpoint, for you, I've gotten the sense when the bye week is, it'll be week 10 after this London game. You weren't really big on when the bye week I, was. Well, you can talk yourself into it being better to have it early or it being better to have it medium or late because it all depends on what your injury situation is. If you have a bunch of injuries during training camp, then yeah, you'd like to have that bye week early on. John McClain brought up a good point, which is that, okay, if you have the bye week later in the season, that's when your body's starting to get tired. And I never thought about the difference between now and before this CBA because training camp is really easy now. So, guys, you come out of training camp a lot more physically fresh and ready to play than it used to be. I used to like, I used to come out of training camp feeling like I needed a, a week off to recover from training camp before the season started. So I like, I kind of liked having the bye week earlier. Yeah, I guess uh, having it later on, having it later makes a lot of sense now. It's always a mess. I mean, they are thrown for a total loop. They're outside of their comfort zone. They're playing in a soccer stadium. They're playing amongst a bunch of fans where there is no real conceivable home field advantage. Their body clocks are way off. It's more of a tourism trip than anything else. It's stupid. And NFL in London will always be stupid. And yet the NFL just keeps shoving it down all of our throats because they need to make extra money because what? They need to make extra money. I'm pretty sure they're doing quite fine. Thank you. London football, the NFL in London, is and will always be ridiculously stupid. But schedule day is a reason for a lot of fans to get all fired up. And so the Ken Carbon Show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland asked, now that you have the Brown schedule, has that affected any of the wedding plans over this fall? Let's listen in. 
I want to know, though, are, are people's plans changing? Because you brought up yesterday, you brought up the thing about the weddings, which if a wedding is that big of a detriment to you being able to go to games or things like that or see the Buckeyes or see the Browns if they're on the road or you got to do a traveling type of thing or something like that, I say just don't go to the wedding. If it's really that yeah. big of a deal to you, just Man, don't go to the wedding. That's so tough. That's so tough I, to I don't just think it abandon is. your best friends for one week of football. It, I mean, well, what, then, what's then happening is, now, I can just tell you. go to the wedding and, and be and, happy at the wedding. And unfortunately, the brides, they won't want to hear this. What's happening is more and more, because everybody has phones. If there's a big game, you're at that wedding you reception, that. which Ken uh, famously does not go to, even if he has a hand in the wedding. I didn't go to one wedding um, reception. He, My wife is yeah, pregnant. The one where he was the minister. Uh, See, but, excuse but, for everything. I mean, even the priests go to the freaking weddings. They do. They do every time, and it's always awkward because they're standing I mean, they there. They don't stay long. I don't you know, know who to sometimes talk to. Sometimes they do, but usually they don't stay long, but they come and say the hi. Men of the and, cloth. Yeah. And Kenny refused. Oh. But anyway, uh, what happens is, invariably, people are just looking at their phones at the table, and, you know, okay, they're not doing the electric slide or brown-eyed girl. Like, they're doing something else watching those games, but that's t- typically what happens. I think people end up looking at their phones anyway. Todd and Lakewood, you're next up on the fan. Go ahead. Hey, I, I'm laughing my butt off with Lima on these on this wedding issue. <laughs> I'm a lot older. I've been married uh, 35 years or thereabouts now. I have to tell you, 36 years ago or so, I announced to all my friends, I don't do fall weddings, period. <laughs> there are 39 weeks out of the year if you want me at your wedding to pick a Saturday. If, if you pick a Saturday in the fall, I won't be there, no hard feelings. But don't be mad at me because you're now warned. I don't have a problem with that. I really, I, I don't have a problem with people being honest. I don't do fall weddings. Put that on his that, tombstone. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Todd, don't you have like five kids? I have six kids. I've been married 35 years. Yeah. I have two, three grandsons. None so, of my kids would get married in the fall. They know better. Oh, my God. I, you know, it's just... And no woman, I would have, no woman that would love me would ever force me to have a wedding in the fall. Oh, here we go. I love it's Todd just and not Lake. worth it. I love Todd, Todd and Todd, thank right you now. for the call. Just not happening. And fall is the most beautiful time of the year in Cleveland to get married. Well, I mean, it's I, perfect for I, weddings. I, oh, my God. But, but because of football, you end up getting married in July I, in 100 degrees. I still think it's a bigger gamble. That's fine, though. I think it's a bigger gamble because when people say the fall is great, it is great here. But also, I was at a fall wedding. I was the best man in a fall wedding, and it was November 8th, and it was snowing. And it kind of ruined the pictures for the bride. It's like, well, you're going to take that risk. So I'm not trying to be the wedding planner over here. But if you don't want to go to a fall wedding, just don't go. You don't got to go. That's when you know you're in a real football city. When the schedule comes out and you've got to ask, okay, whose wedding plans just changed? Like, not are you going to go to the wedding now, but more like, are you sure you still want to hold that wedding because none of your friends are going to show up? That's when you know you're talking about a real football town. Well done, Cleveland. Well done. And finally, the Alliance. Well, what? You expect me to wrap up with anything else? The AAF obviously is done as now they filed for bankruptcy. But... What happened at the end? We're still searching for answers of what happened at the end of the Alliance of American Football. And Daniel Kaplan finally got Charlie Ebersole to talk. Kaplan writes for the Sports Business Journal, and he joined the morning show on 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. They lost the fleet. They had already lost the Chargers, so they want answers. 
explain Tom Dundon. You know, we heard he was going to toss in $250 million, <laughs> and then just a, a few weeks later, the league collapses. Well, when that number came out, we, we at Sports Business Journal quickly corrected it. That, uh, that, that was a farcical figure, and Dundon actually got on the phone with us and sort of apologized that that number was floating around out there because he said he had his own friends calling him saying, what are you doing? Are you crazy? <laughs> um, he, you know, he, what he did was he acquired the league uh, in, in return. Not, he didn't put any money in, but he agreed to cover operating losses, which during the seven weeks he owned it, it ran 50, 60, 70 million dollars. Uh, but he did not invest $250 million. That was a figure he said was sort of if he held on to it for a long period of time and they expanded to 32 clubs, he could envision spending that amount of money. Um, so, you know, the, the reports in mid-February that he put $250 million in, uh, which gave a lot of people confidence in the league, um, were completely erroneous. And clearly after he looked under the hood of the league, he didn't like what he saw. Daniel, was uh, the NFL ever really interested in partnering with the AAF? I think there was some interest. Um, I am told uh, there the, the, those last-ditch talks between the LPA wants those those players to get competition, and uh, so does the NFL. Uh, I think the problem became that Dundon wanted more than that. He didn't just want a pipeline of players. He wanted the NFLPA and the NFL to pay for the insurance of the players, to pay even the salaries of the players, sort of akin to NFL Europe. And he would just be in the business of mar- marketing the league, not paying the players. So that that was a big problem. Uh, I'm told Bill Polian, the co-founder, thought they had a deal with the NFL and NFLPA, and Dundon just axed it, and uh, that's why Polian came out with that angry comment after the league folded. We're visiting with Daniel Kaplan from the Sports Business Journal, uh, joining us here on the SDCCU uh, Fan Hotline. You know, one of the things that, that I would bring up, Daniel, and you know, I don't know if anybody's talked about it, you know, it, all these teams were basically owned by the league, and everything was being run out of the league office, and Bill Polian, and you mentioned Charlie Ebersol. Was there ever a thought uh, about actually selling the different franchise to, to individuals? Well, there's two ways you can go about it. One is what's called the, the technical term is unitary holding structure, which is what uh, the AAF is, which is what the XFL is. Um, and then there's the individual team ownership, which is what you're, you're probably more familiar with, with with the other major sports leagues. The MLS is actually a unitary holding structure. They've just evolved where the teams have operators that are akin to owners. But the, the advantages of of uh unitary holding structure is it's supposed to be more it's it's more cost efficient you can control where the players go you you don't have teams competing uh on on payroll um every everything essentially organized now of course you need to be have your 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 act together and you need to have capital and that was not the case with the AF you you mentioned the local marketing uh they didn't have money for that uh they didn't have time for that they didn't have the hires for that I mean, I was talking to creditors who were calling me saying they couldn't even get a ca- There were no accounts payable at these, these teams. I mean, it's, it's nuts, crazy stuff like that. Will we ever know the end of the alliance? I'm guessing the story will be told one day. But why Charlie Ebersol has gone into hiding, why Bill Polian has done one interview and that's it, where is dodgy Tom Dundon, 
who knew what and when. Oliver Luck and the XFL doing some type of grand tour, almost an achievement tour, a success tour, a championship tour. All of this feels wrong. Wrong! And we need to know what happened at the end of the Alliance. That'll do it for us. The best in your sports talk. It's around the dial for Thursday, April the 18th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.